invite you to turn with me tonight to Matthew's Gospel, to our reading earlier, and to three words found in verse 17. Matthew 28 and verse 17. The three words are these, but some doubted, some doubted when they saw the Lord Jesus, the resurrected Christ, some of the disciples worshipped him, but some doubted. I want to speak tonight to particularly any who have doubts. It may be you have a faith, you have a faith in the existence of Christ, you have a faith and a confidence in God's word, you have a faith that one day the Lord will come again. And yet there are still doubts. The disciples, their faith was weak. Their faith was in some ways very shallow. They hadn't yet fully contemplated that everything that Christ said while he was alive of his death and resurrection had become true. Some doubted. Earlier in the chapter, we read in Matthew's compressed events of the resurrection that at the beginning of this, the end of the Sabbath day and the first day of the week, what we would call the Lord's Day, Mary and the other Mary, Mary Magdalene, had come to the tomb. Oh, what good news they had. Good news that they'd seen the risen Christ. There'd been a great earthquake, the stone had rolled away, and the angel of the Lord had come from heaven and rolled back the stone. There he was. His whole face was like lightning. What a sight. What a, sh a sight. Bright, shining light beaming from his face, beaming from his clothes. His clothing was as white as snow. How could they take these things in? And for fear of him, verse 4, the keepers did shake. All these events were happening so quickly. Just hours before all those miracles that surrounded Calvary, there was, of course, the death of Christ, but all around it was miracles. Christ healing that servant whose ear was chopped off and he just picks it up and places it on the head and the person was healed no fuss no commotion one final healing miracle then there was Christ shouting when there was no oxygen left in his lungs and he shouts out with a loud voice the voice of victory and of triumph before he breathes his final breath. Then there was the tearing of the curtain from top to bottom. The new living way opened up. Now sinful men and women can go before holy God as we sang in the hymn that we've just sung. And then the earthquake, the first earthquake that was in Jerusalem which shattered the rocks 
And it caused many tombs to open. And you know, it says, many came out of the grave and they appeared before many, many times many. Thousands saw the evidence that Christ was still at work. Oh, miracle upon miracle. Life given to the dead. The tombs opened. And now even more evidence, earthquake, to take away his own tombstone. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, they were frightened, understandably. They were seeking the dead Christ. And they should have been seeking the living Christ. Is that true of any tonight? Are you still only acquainted with the dead Christ and not with the living Christ? We come back to our text, verse 17. But some doubted. They were just not sure. The word doubting there, it doesn't mean that they had no faith, but there was a hesitation. Literally it means they faced two ways. They were just not sure. Is it really him? Is this the risen Christ? They looked two ways. We don't know for sure which of the disciples this meant. Probably Thomas, because he was the one that had the greatest doubts. But there was a wavering, a hesitating, a lingering. And I sense tonight that we have a number here who could be described as doubters. There's an element of skepticism. You're wavering, you're waiting, you're not sure. You're not fully convinced. And that is who I wish to address tonight, the doubters. Those who want to pour cold water on the fire. Is this really happening? said those who doubted. I'm, I'm just not sure. Is this real? Is it a vision? Am I really seeing with my eyes the risen Christ? Or is it a vision? Is it imaginary? Is this whole Christianity just some elaborate hoax? Can I really grab hold of the risen Christ? Some earlier, it says, they'd held on to his feet and worshipped him. Some in verse 17, when they saw him, that was enough. They just needed to see the risen Christ. And then they bowed down. They worshipped. They gave their obedience to him. But some doubted. Do you doubt tonight? Doubts are normal. All of us have doubts from time to time. Do you know, doubts can be a sign that you're actually converted. They can be a sign that Satan wants to snatch the seed. He wants to take it out of your heart. He wants to throw lies into your mind. He wants to say it's a hoax. But that's not true. As we shall see tonight, doubts to stop the exercising of the faith that had been given to the disciples. Faith is a gift. Repentance is a gift. 
All we need to do is exercise it with the help of the Holy Spirit. But some doubt it. Do you doubt tonight? What kind of doubts might you have this evening? Oh, he's not heard me. I've prayed. I've got beside my bed, I've kneeled down. I've prayed the sinner's prayer. I've said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, but I don't know if he's heard. I don't see the evidence. I'm just not sure. Well, we consider that tonight. Maybe you ask the question, I don't know whether he's really there. Is he real? Is it really him? I'm just not sure. I need more evidence. I need to put my hands in the side of the risen Christ, as Thomas would say. Do you know the Lord Jesus will give you all the evidence you need? His whole life was about giving evidence. Maybe you say, well, I don't think he's alive. This is just dead history. I can go to the British Museum and I can see all the archaeological evidence that I could possibly want, but it's just relics. Where's the risen Christ? I want to know his power, his touch, his help. Appear to me, you might say. Maybe you might say this, surely he won't save me. If you know what I've done and what I've been and what I am, I'm the chief of sinners. Do you know if you think that tonight, that's a good thing. That's what the Apostle Paul said. He was the chief of sinners. But just think tonight of all those texts, those texts, the whosoever texts. Here's one in Joel chapter 2 verse 13. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's certain. We thought of the wills and the shalls in Haggai this morning. Well there's one in Joel. If you call you will be saved. There's no doubt. There's no reason to doubt God's word. Whosoever shall, there's the first, call on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. What about Matthew seven forty-two? Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, like a wise man which built his house upon the rock. Oh, the Lord will hear. The Lord will come. What about this? I think there's more whosoever's here than in any other two verses next to each other in the Bible. Mark 8, 34, 35. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross and follow me. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the Gospels, the same shall save it. There are no barriers. I can say tonight with all the confidence of God's word, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
whosoever. Well, tonight I want to deal with doubts with the help of the Holy Spirit. If you have doubts tonight, I want to try to deal with them. There's a famous verse in the book of Daniel, and it speaks about the dissolving of doubts. Well, may the Lord dissolve all doubts tonight. Some doubted. Well, how does the Lord deal with doubters? We have it here before us. Verse 18. The Lord knew the hearts of his disciples. He knew those whose faith was emboldened and strengthened. Mary Magdalene and Mary, no doubt, they were convinced. The women were convinced first. Note that. The men lagged behind, as often the case. The Lord Jesus came. The Greek means he drew nearer. Do you know that's what the Lord will do tonight? If you have a doubt, ask the Lord to draw nearer to you, to make himself more real, to come closer. I just don't know, is it him? Is it him in the distance? I'm not sure. What does the Lord Jesus do, knowing their hearts, that there was doubts in Thomas's heart, and maybe one or two others, Jesus came nearer. That's what we need. We need him to draw near, to draw alongside, like he did to the two on the road to Emmaus. And they said, did not our hearts burn within us as he drew near? Would he do that tonight, to draw near? That's the first thing he does. He draws near, but secondly, he speaks to us. Would he speak to those that have doubts tonight? His word is what dispels all doubts, all the way through this chapter. Fear, fear, fear. They were afraid. They were frightened. They saw, but they didn't know for fear of him. But when he speaks his word, if he speaks his word to you personally tonight, all fear, all doubts will disappear. May he speak his word to you personally tonight. But then thirdly, he doesn't just come and draw near and speak. He says a word which is so in season. He reminds them of who he really is. That's what we need to know. We need to know that he's not just history. He's not just in the Bible. But he is so very real. Here's his words. This is the message that he brings. All power is given unto me in heaven. And in earth, isn't that convincing? You doubt. You don't really know if it's me. Am I the risen Christ speaking to you? Am I just a hazy image in the distance? The Lord draws near and he speaks. And he says, I have all power. The power to create. The power to destroy. 
the power to give life from the dead and the power to judge. It's been given unto me from heaven and I have that power in heaven and I have it in earth. You need to know that power in your life tonight. What comforting words. That's assuring, isn't it? This isn't just a man. This is the risen Christ, the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, the one who has all power and all authority. He has the authority to say to you tonight, believe, trust, doubt no more. Then he reminds them of this heaven-given authority. But look at what he does at the beginning of verse 19. One word, go, go. But they were doubting. What does he tell them to do? Go. Go in faith. Go in obedience. Go. Get up. Go. So often the Lord Jesus said this in his life. Pick up your mat. Go. Go to the waters, wash, go. Have faith, get up, doubt no more. Go ye. He knew their hearts. He knew they had some faith, but it was weak faith. And so his call to them, his words that they needed to obey, was just simply go. It was personal. Go therefore. You've seen me. I've drawn near. I've given you my word. I've told you I have all authority in heaven and in earth. Go. Get up. Don't linger any longer. No reason for any more doubts. You see, faith is a commandment. Faith isn't something we work up Faith is something we must obey. Some preach the Lord Jesus Christ as a decision. They say, decide for Christ. No, that's not the pattern of the Bible. We preach Christ as a commandment. Repent. Believe. Be baptized. It's what the Lord Jesus said. It's what the apostles said. It's not a decision. It's a commandment. The Lord commands you tonight to go, to get up, to go. You see, if salvation was a decision, if it was down to me, I might change my mind. I might have more doubts. I might linger a little. But no, salvation is of God. And all that we need to do is to obey, to get up, and to go in faith. As the Lord Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. That's what we need to do, to believe the Lord Jesus. That's what he said to some of his disciples, go, get up. It's not an insurance policy. You're not doing God a favor. You're not adding a string to your bow. 
a little extra in life, no, the commandment is go. Get up and go. Repent and believe. He goes on to say, teach them, having gone, you're to go and you're to teach and you're to baptize. The disciples were being commissioned. They were being sent. In the name of the three persons of the Trinity, they themselves were to go. They were to put away their doubts. Their doubts were to dissolve. They were to doubt no more. And they were to go in faith. Why do you linger? Why do you doubt? I don't know your specific case. Some of you never tell me. Maybe it's between you and the Lord alone. You know your doubts. You're lingering. You're looking two ways. Why is it? What doubts do you put up in your mind? Well, let's think of Thomas. Let's think of him. Go to John's Gospel, chapter 20, and we see the words that he says. Maybe this is what Matthew was referring to. We don't know for sure, but it seems very probable. John 20 and verse 25. Perhaps we read from verse 24, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in the hands, in his hands, the print of his nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side. I will not believe. He would not believe. The doubts lingered. He was looking two ways. It professed faith as a disciple. It followed the Lord Jesus in life, but his faith was shallow. He needed more evidence for his faith to be deepened. Some people, they have an elongated process. Yes, regeneration happens in an instant. But for some, conversion can take time. John Bunyan grappled for 18 months. He was in an agony. Some speak of years where they feel their sin, but they're just not sure. And here we have Thomas, verse 26, the Lord Jesus knows his heart. He keeps him waiting eight days. After eight days, again, his disciples were within. We don't know exactly the chronology, whether Thomas was the one referred to in Matthew 28, but here comes Christ. He walks through locked doors, the doors being shut. And he stands in the midst and says, Peace be unto you. How tender the Lord Jesus is. He comes to the one that perhaps had the most doubts. He doesn't scold. 
He doesn't say, how long you were with me all those years you listened to me. I told you I would die. I told you I would rise again from the dead. You didn't believe the women. No, he comes and stands in the midst. He says, peace be unto you. Do you think he pushes Thomas away? What more evidence do you need, Thomas? No, he says, reach. Reach here. I will give you all the evidence you need and more. Behold my hands. Reach here, your hand. Thrust it. Don't just touch it. Thrust it into my side. And here's the verse tonight. Is this the verse for you? Be not faithless, but be believing. Literally it means, be not unbelieving, but be believing. Thomas, doubt no more. Put away all your doubts, all the things that are holding you back. Don't doubt anymore. Come and touch. Draw right alongside me. Doubt no more. Be not faithless, but believing. Do you know any reason that we have doubts is really a lack of faith. And do you know a lack of faith is a step away from unbelief. And unbelief is the only sin that will keep us out of hell. Unbelief, the unpardonable sin, the unpardonable sin is not murder. The unpardonable sin is not believing in the only Saviour. How can we be saved if we will not believe? Thomas is told to believe, to doubt no more. And Thomas doesn't even need to put his hand forward. The conviction comes. All of a sudden he feels the guilt of unbelief in his heart. And he says these lovely words. My Lord and my God. He acknowledges that this is not just the Christ. This is God incarnate. The risen Christ. My Lord. Can you say that tonight? Can you go to Christ and say, my Lord and my God? Not your parents, not your grandfathers, but yours. My Lord and my God. Christ comforts and assures him and says, you have seen me, but blessed are those who believed and yet not seen. Oh, what comforting words these are. What are your doubts tonight? Would not the Lord dissolve every single final doubt that holds you back, that stops you from professing faith and saying, My Lord, my God, my Saviour, the one who has risen and died for me. You know, the book of Acts 
It mentions the word baptism more than any other book in the Bible. Twenty-three times the word baptism is mentioned, and very often the two go together. Repent and be baptized. The two are connected. The disciples are told to go and to preach the gospel, to preach it as a commandment, repent, don't delay, don't wait, don't linger, don't doubt, but believe and put your faith not in yourself, but in Jesus Christ, the risen Christ. And then, in those days, immediately to be baptized because they knew that those who professed faith were quite possibly going to a life where they would lose their life and they would lay it down. And so it was very clear their faith was real. If they professed faith, they were offering themselves to be martyrs. And therefore, their profession was tested at the very moment it was given. We don't have that luxury today. We live in a comfortable country where you can profess faith and there isn't so much of a cost. In other countries, if you profess faith, you leave behind a million Hindu gods and in the village you may never get work again. But for us tonight, the call is to believe, to dispel your doubts, to put your faith in the risen Christ who calls you tonight to go, not to stay, but to go. When they saw him, verse 17, Matthew 28, they, some of the disciples, who were already convinced they worshipped him. Just pause there. Do you know, I find this quite encouraging. The fact that even some of the disciples had doubts encourages me. It encourages me because they were no pushovers. They were not easily persuaded. Even though they'd spent three years with Christ, they'd heard him, they'd seen him, they'd heard the accurate accounts of the risen Christ, they were still doubting. And Christ deals with their doubts. Do you know that encourages me? Because the early church was built upon those who had a few doubts, but their faith was strengthened. And they obeyed, and they went, and they taught, and they baptized, and they went forward in faith. Would you not do that tonight? Does the Lord call you personally, individually like Thomas, to be unbelieving no more, but be believing? The Lord Jesus Christ says to you tonight, go in faith, believe, dispel your doubts, and trust in me. Your faith is not in you. Your faith is in the risen Christ. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father,
We pray that all doubts would be dissolved, that none of us would look in two directions, but we would look to Christ and that we would believe in him and put our faith that he has given us in him, that we would repent of our sin and we would turn and we would go and we would walk with him from this night forward. Help us to be unbelievers.